Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prince Podcast here on Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, and joining me today is Mr. Big Sexy and Sack Sarawi. You know, I'm great. I sat down with a group of fourth and fifth graders yesterday and fielded questions, and we had a blast. And the kids are so tiny nowadays. <laughs> now they're, they're, they're really cute, though. Hilarious. Also joining <laughs> me today is Kanisa. Kanisa, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm very happy in Atlanta where it's finally fall and not 80 degrees. All right. And our special guest today is the one and only uh, Stasha, excuse me, Stacia Lang. Stacia, how are you? Good. How are you, Michael? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, Just blessed to have you come and sit with us virtually and, and talk. So thank you again. And for those who don't know, uh, now I can butcher a name. I probably because I get nervous. Or something. I'm not. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, Stash is Stacia. Excuse me. Yes, Stacia. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's that's just one of the God is not done with me yet. Shout out to Steve Harvey. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so Stacia. For those who don't know about Stacia, Stacia, uh, in terms of with Prince has worked with Prince, uh, I believe he worked with Prince for about three years or more, possibly. But this is during the period of, say, Diamonds and Pearls and uh, the Symbol album. And those of you who know and those of you don't know, that's funny how I just phrased that, you will recognize her work, uh, the infamous Get Off outfit that was on MTV uh, with the, I like to call them the ass out pants. Now, that's not what they probably call but. Is the yellow <laughs> yellow outfit that had the cheeks out, uh, you know, made a splash. You know, it was definitely eye-opener. And only Prince could get away with that. And we'll, we'll get into that. Talk to us about how did you get introduced in, to the Prince world in terms of starting to work there? Well, when I was in New York, um, I just had had enough of it, I guess. I just decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move back to Minnesota, and I really don't know what I'm going to do there. I know that theater, you know, there's a Guthrie theater there. Um, it has a lively, there's a children's theater there. So I knew that I would have work there. It's just a matter of, I didn't quite know what. And I happened to be at a woman's house. I did not know her. Um, I was working on something at her house. And I said, yeah, I'm moving back to Minnesota. And she said, oh, I have a friend who works for Prince. I said, whoa, are you kidding me? And, and it turned out to be Helen Hyatt. And um, so I ended up calling Helen. And funny enough, they needed a pattern maker. And this is to me how synchronicity works and how once you make a decision, doors are going to open up for you. The world is going to open up for you because you've made that choice. You've made that decision. And all these things start moving to accommodate you and I'll, I just will always believe that. And especially I saw that when I decided to move to Minnesota. So uh, Helen and Jim, Jim Sharon was um, Princess Taylor. And they happened to know some of the same people I knew in New York. And so they called them, said, is she any good? What, you know, and so got references and I was hired sight unseen. And so I had a job at Paisley Park before I even set foot back in Minneapolis. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So that was amazing. And um, it's not like I spent years trying to get into Paisley Park or was trying to, you know, design for him at the time or anything. I knew that I was going to be making patterns. I went there and the very first day, um, uh, you know, I started working on patterns. They had a fabulous wardrobe department Everything was in place. Jim Sharon was there as the tailor. Helen Hyatt was the designer, but I mean, she was the head of wardrobe. So she was kind of in charge of everything. And she went on tour and all of that. And um, then there, they had one, another tailor, some stitchers and a shopper. I mean, it was a full blown department when I got there. And um, so I landed there, started making patterns for the, the band and then the very, I just kept, I told, I said to um, Helen, I said, well, what is Prince like? You know, and, and she said, well, he's a, he's a regular person. I mean, he is a person and, you know, to not lose sight of that. And so, um, 
uh, when I first saw him, he came into the wardrobe department and I was laying out some fabric and he just appeared like he always does. I mean, you, you hear stories time and time again about him all of a sudden just magically appearing. That's what, that's what happened. And, um, I was, my back was to the door and I felt a presence and I just felt an aura and he, you know, he did, never made a sound. I mean, his, uh, except when he wanted to, that those heels going across the atrium floor, of course, you always remember, but, um, there was carpeting upstairs. So it, it was, he was like, um, a, a little hummingbird that just would alight and then vanish. And so that's what happened that day. He came in and I felt a presence and I turned around and it was him. Wow. Did he say anything? Did he introduce himself or he just kind of was looking at what you were doing? Or? Well, the, the funny thing about it was I was laying out some fabric and um, it was charmeuse and it was silk charmeuse and it was very, very light and very airy. And so he, he laid some things, I guess it was a folder or something. And he kind of, tossed it onto the table and all the fabric just went fluttering, fluttering off the table. And princess said, oops, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So it was cute. So that, that was my introduction to him. So he wasn't a a guy who said, hello, my name is Prince. And um, how are you? And uh, what's your name? He really, I never saw him do that um, at that time. So that was 1990. I came in the spring of 1990, probably April. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Now, so then, okay. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I was going to tell you the story about a year later, how I became the designer. But um, that's another interesting story. Well, hold that one second. I was going to ask, in, in terms of what what was going on at that time when you came on, was this... Were they doing like graffiti bridge things at this time? When you- yes, oh. exactly. Yeah, graffiti bridge. So the people um, would kind of meander in and out of the wardrobe department, which was really exciting uh, from graffiti bridge. And also at that time they were doing, you know, there was a lot of recording going on and stuff. So I would see a lot of faces, famous faces um, coming into the wardrobe department, you know, during my three years there. So um, it was a bustling time. I have to say, it, uh, as far as I know, it was one of the most busy times ever at Paisley Park. I mean, videos, um, movies, you know, all this stuff was happening while I was there. So it was very exciting. And probably the wardrobe department might have been at its peak as far as how many people were there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, it was to me, one of the most exciting times that I could have been there. Okay. Now, you alluded to... I have to- a quick question. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, quick question. Um, you mentioned that you came in about early 1990. Um, yeah. I was just looking at some new tour pictures the other day, and he has this jumpsuit, or a couple of those jumpsuits. And sometimes he kind of like take off his little... um shoulder thing and his pants would kind of still stay up and even though they're kind of yes. riding low can you explain yeah. how it works physics wise he's <laughs> really curious about that how that jumpsuit works yeah like like when his when the support is gone his it's kind of still just pants but they ride really low and they're still kind of there and he's still jumping around and moving i'm like how is it staying that's really interesting uh the the magic of spandex <laughs> and um also uh, the magic of a beautiful body. I think when you're, um, and the magic of an incredible tailor. So uh, the pants that I think you're talking about, I mean, I know the one shoulder jumpsuit from that period and that that's easy to explain. Obviously the the shoulder coming around that kind of holds the pants up, but just like anything, um, those were, those were stretch pants and um, tight enough to, you know, stay on the body. All right. Okay. And <laughs> there's no magical. Is that, is that what you're asking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just like, um, cause it, it seems to flow when you get to the bottom, but now that I'm thinking about it, it does fit quite well around the, um, center area. We'll just say, <laughs> oh, oh Lord, <laughs> the man. Yeah, <laughs> 
Yeah, he, he didn't. Funny because when I started to design for him, we got away from the stretch lycra look and things like that. I mean, I'm not talking about lycra that's shiny and, you know, like 70s sort of lycra. I'm talking about the lycra that's in the, the um, as a fiber to make the, the fabric stretch. So, um, yeah, we kind of got away from that. And I think it was also his maturity that, um, you know, kind of growing out of it or wanting a more tailored look and, and more tailored pants and things. And the pants that we made for him, as you know, later on, very, well, even during that time, very high-waisted. Some of them were really, really super high-waisted, like Toreador pants. Mm-hmm. And so they were tight enough also to have that element of, um, you know, almost a corsetry and staying on the body. Um, just now, I'm curious now too, like when you guys are working on stuff for him, does, is there the, so you get everything sort of cut and, and put together. Does he like come in and, and like try the stuff out and you guys take a look and have to fix things or. Yeah. He, he never came in to try anything on. Um, he would try things on in his home. Uh, there was a certain, there's a dressing area in his home and we would have things sent over to be laid on the couch beautifully. And um, uh, I guess there was a chaise lounge and all that. So, so his housekeeper would lay everything perfectly with the shoes. Uh, the whole outfit usually was laid out for him. He would try it on. And um, if there was a really specific event um, he would wear it right away or sometimes maybe you, you might not see it for a little while, but then you know, you'd see him in it the next day or two days later and you'd say, Oh, he likes that. So I'll, that was our reward really. I mean, he wouldn't until he needed something else. Like if he wanted it in different colors, he might say, or write on a little post-it note or something. I really like such and such outfit. Let's make it in these colors or something but you know as as far as i remember he never came in and said hey hey thumbs up on that outfit that was great (laughs) (laughs) he just was not that kind of guy you know if if you knew you knew he liked it if he was wearing it and the funny thing is is sometimes he would strut into the the rehearsal the band rehearsal and they would hoot and holler and like woo and clap and everything and it was such a cool thing because you knew that he loved it. He got the approval from everybody that, you know, the costume or the, the article of clothing was great. And, um, it, it was kind of like a mini show. <laughs> this, that's interesting. That's interesting. Now, because you use the word costumes and I, and I understand that, but where is there a time when you realize like, he's not wearing these as sort of costumes. Like this is stuff that he just wears this all the time. Like, would you, when you saw yeah. him come or walking around, like I, from the stories I hear, he could have just did his show. He was dressed and ready to go at all times. Like, yeah. Well, um, one thing I should clarify is that when I say costume, I mean, I think a lot of people think of Halloween costumes or something more dramatic, but in my, in film world, a, just a regular, you know, leather jacket could be considered a costume because oh. it is, in the movie as a costume, mm-hmm. um, that's the word. So that's what I say when I say I design costumes for prints. It could be costumes and clothing. It could be loungewear. All of those things are encompassed in that word to me. Um, and especially, it was it was very. There were blurred lines um, between his stage clothing and his his home clothing, even you know, or when he came to Paisley Park, you could say that if he was dressed down, it might be like a, a silk shirt, maybe not tucked into the pants or, but it was all silk. I mean, not all, but much of it when I designed for him was silk and um, he loved the softness of it and, and the luxurious, the luxurious quality of it. So um, yeah, he really would wear something that I thought might be a stage costume and he'd be wearing it at rehearsal as just a regular, you know, like, you know, let's get 
you know, let's get busy and we're rehearsing. And that was, to me, that was incredible. And, and I loved it because he had no boundaries or no, as far as I knew, he didn't express any feelings of, um, you know, I would never, never wear that at such and such. I mean, he, he was open to everything. Uh, wow. So let's just go back to, you, you know, you were going to tell the story of like how you became, I guess, the, like the lead designer. Yeah. Um, so I worked there. I came in April of 1990 and Helen Hyatt, as I said, she, she was doing everything. She was very multifaceted. So when it came time, sort of toward the end of the year, you know, I think she was ready to move on. She had been there for five years and she was ready to move on. So the, the cool thing about Helen is that she wanted to make sure that Prince was taken care of, which I really thought was so admirable. And so she had three of us there that could do her one job. So uh, Leanne Dosher took on the, the tours and being Prince's dresser. And then Heidi Pressnail at the time, it's Heidi Clements now. She headed up the wardrobe department. She would order fabrics. She took care of the nuts and bolts, and that's why I always thought of her as my partner because, um, you know, I did the creative aspect. And then uh, Helen came to me and said, would you be interested in um, submitting designs to Prince? Because I had been helping Helen with uh, doing some illustration work. So if there was something that Prince requested or um, something that Helen wanted to present to him, I would do some sketches and so she knew that I could sketch. She knew that I was a designer. And so she said, you would be a great, um, you know, candidate for that. And so we ended up submitting my sketches to Prince. And he said, yeah. So, so it was approved that the three of us would be in that role. And it was great, too, because we could really concentrate on our own things. You know, we could really give Prince... Prince was really gearing up at that time, lots and lots of videos, like I said, um, touring, all of that. And so for him to be able to have a costume designer that was completely dedicated to that one thing was really what he needed at that time. And I think Helen recognized that. So January 1st, 1991, I started designing for him. And you said he was getting ready to do a big push. Was this, and I'm and I'm also curious because, you know, he obviously has these different looks for, for albums and things. Was there uh, a direction from him to say, hey, I'm working on this new album, which would be Diamonds and Pearls. I want to go with a whole mm -hmm. different look. Or do you guys just sort of submit things? Like, it seems to all sync up. And I'm just curious, how does that happen? It does. Um, at that time, one of my very, very first well, by the way, the, the um, sketches that I did submit to him just as, hey, I can design for you, um, do you like me, that sort of thing, those were put into production right away. Um, and so the very, very first design that I did for him was a it's, a, it's a halter jumpsuit with lapels, only lapels, no, no top at all. So it was that high-waisted trouser with a lapel going around the neck, and you see him in that it was red. We started with red, but he ended up having it in uh, in black. And I think we did um, fuchsia. So that was cool. I mean, we started out it with a bang. I mean, it just it just went from there. But the one thing that he requested right off the bat was he wanted black and white for the band, and it was a diamonds and pearls look. Um, but he had said, I'd like to infuse this with a sort of a futuristic, like a Barbarella. He referenced the movie. He's referenced the movie to other people, directors, things of that time period. So he said he wanted Barbarella uh, meets, you know, The Godfather. The Godfather 3 was out at that time. So he was clear in his vision that he wanted tailored, a tailored look, but with a you know, with a kind of a futuristic or some sort of thing that made it different than just regular tailoring. So I started doing black and white sketches for him and the band. And, um, and a lot of those were chosen 
they ended up wearing the band and he ended up wearing those costumes on um, Arsenio Hall. But also it was, it was for uh, the cream video. Okay. Prince, as you know, wore a black and white scroll vest. That was one of the, one of the first things I designed for him. And he wore that in the cream video. Wow. Wow. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. And, um, it's a great outfit. Yeah. It really, you know, Thank you. Of, I, I loved it. I loved it too. It was, it was, uh, kind of ushering in a new look for him. It's funny for me, it reminds me of, uh, the sort of his more simpler look, uh, from, uh, controversy just in terms of yes. the, you know, the, the suit or the tie and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah. All right. Um, let, let's let's get into this conversation because uh, we, we talked about the Arsenio show, and of course at that time it was very iconic uh, performance. You know, Arsenio mm-hmm. introduces Prince, uh, and I believe this. I can't remember if this was before the Arsenio performance or after, but the MTV uh, performance yes. of Get Off. Uh, yeah. Take, take us back to sort of the planning for this. Does does Prince say, hey, I'm going to do a big TV performance. I want something different. Can you can you walk us through a little bit of that? Yeah, sure. Well, we knew as the wardrobe department, we knew at the time we were going to Los Angeles. Um, he was going to be on the MTV Music Awards, and then we were going to do the Arsenio Hall show. Um, I mean, it was, you know, of course, it's always like, okay, well, what are we doing for the Arsenio Hall show? Um, Prince was always in charge of what they wore. So he had, let's say, let's call it his closet. Let's say, let's call it the band's closet of clothing that they had to pick from. And then also we were constantly making clothes at the time. And I would feed him, by the way, I would show him sketches via a portfolio. Maybe I might do sketches something like that or more maybe 20 but um sometimes it was requested specifically what he wanted um let, let's do Nehru jackets he, he kind of decided he wanted to do some Nehru jackets so I gave him a portfolio so let's say I spent a week working on that but for for the MTV Music Awards we didn't we were like what is he going to wear and we had made some really cool clothes for him but Therese, his uh, secretary, came up to the wardrobe department one day, and this was not, I mean, it was very close to the time where, you know, he was going to be going on to Los Angeles. And she said, well, you better sit down because this, this is what he wants for the MTV Music Awards. And it was so funny um, that day. It was just, it was just funny, but nerve wracking because we knew that we had to achieve this. So what she said is she gave us the parameters that he had given to her. Um, he, it, the outfit must be yellow. It must be lace and it must have the butt out. And so <laughs> I was like, well, what, what does that really mean? You know, what, what does that really mean? And so I had to come up with two, or I decided it should be two sketches, one with maybe more, you know, more exposure. So maybe the the exposure was going to be all the way down the leg. So it would be his butt showing and then, you know, maybe his upper thighs or something. I, I always believe you, you need to give people something to say no to. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I didn't want to present it with just one idea and one sketch. I wanted to give him you know, at least two sketches. And so we, between me, Heidi and Jim, we had to decide at that moment, what is the lace going to be? What lace do we have in house? Because we're talking just a few days that we had to get this together. Maybe, I don't know, less than a week, let's say. And so we chose a lace that was, we had worked on with before, but it was white and we would have to have it dyed. So immediately we took it to the dyer, um, but of course not before I gave him the sketch. So I was able to use that lace as a sample so that I could sketch with that. And I came up with two sketches and then I had to present it to him later that day. So I said, okay, I'm ready to go down to his office, down the hall. 
And I did. And man, I was, I mean, I was so nervous because how do you present something like this to a guy? It's like, well, here's your butt. It's totally exposed. (laughs) (laughs) I walked in very, very like professional and I, you know, tap on the door and walk in. I said, yes, I have your sketches. And so I sat down at his desk and, and I just, you know, laid them out. And I said, well, now this one has more exposure and this one has less. And he just took a pencil and he crossed out the one with more exposure. So I said, now that's a guy with modesty. (laughs) (laughs) He only wants to show his butt. He doesn't necessarily want to show the rest of his legs. So, um, of course I'd never seen him, but his butt, So I didn't know, um, in terms of the build, the build, how are we going to build this thing? How are we going to make it, um, really stay on his body? Is his rear end really going to be showing? Well, no, we're going to, we have to make it stay on the body. So it has to be, uh, um, an illusion. So we had to have all of that dyed, um, skin tone. And it was kind of hysterical going to the dyer uh, because, yeah, well, we we can't really get a, a skin tone, so you're going to have to maybe guess. Couldn't get a color match on uh, that one. Yeah, so she did a fabulous job. And also the fact that it was one of the fabrics that I chose, it was very, very sheer. So um, that's that's what it was. So we started making it right away, Jim. Um, had used a pattern, you know, we used a pattern that we had had before um, with certain modifications and it, the um, lace had to be appliqued onto that sheer fabric. And then, of course, in the front, you had to have a more opaque, um, uh, you know, fabric to cover up the the naughty bits, so they say. And so that's what we did. And we made it just in the nick of time. In fact, when I was on the plane going to Los Angeles, I was still stitching lace to one of his shoes. Wow. Now, and yeah, well, just in terms of like, it's just such a tight time frame. Does he try it on before? Do you know if he tried it on before? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He tries, he tried everything on before. Um, and of course it would be like, well, did Prince try that on? You know, so a lot of it um, was sort of guesswork with Prince because it wasn't like a usual person where you, you would say, we're going to have a fitting. I want to make sure that it fits in all the right places and that it looks great. And that was, that's where Jim Sharon came in because he knew Prince's body so well. And if Prince said, this is too loose, make it tighter, well, we knew that maybe he had lost weight, you know, on a tour or something, and we needed to nip some things in. It was all guesswork. If, if, if somebody says, shorten the, shorten the sleeves, well, usually you have them put the jacket on and you will shorten the sleeves and say, is this okay? With Prince, it, there was none of that. And I think Jim Sharon, it was almost like he was a magician in that he was so good at what he did in tailoring and he knew Prince so well after being there for so long that he could guess. And he'd say, well, I think Prince has probably lost this much weight. Or um, I think Prince, you know, probably means this. Or, you know, a lot of it was deciphering, too. Mm. So as far as your question, I'm sure, yes, he did try it on. And, um, and you know, I think we always had backups, too. <clears throat> no matter what was going on, no matter what the the function or the, the tour or the show, of course we would, um, Leanne would line up, you know, a bunch of his costumes because he is a, he's an artist and like anybody, any artist, he may change his mind. Um, he may use different things as sort of a meter as far as what he wants to wear. So we had other things lined up for him if it didn't work out. What did you uh, think when you were you there at the MTV Awards yourself? Were you guys there? Yes, yes, I was. I was right backstage. It was really um, exciting for me 
And um, of course, it was a secret. We weren't to tell anyone that what he was wearing, and it was to be a secret. So when people backstage saw it, it was very. There was a big buzz. You know, it was it was pretty. It was pretty exciting. Wow. What uh, did he ever give you any sort of uh, you know nod or anything after it was over at any point? It's like hey. No. No, he really didn't. Um, I think that was a real gamble for him, needless to say, because it was all over the news. It was it was actually really, really smart that he did that. It was all over the news. <clears throat> Excuse me. They called it the Swiss cheese. Oh, they, they called it so many different things. One person, one news reporter called it the Swiss cheese outfit. And then they started calling it the butt out costume. That was a little, <laughs> just, you know, it kind of said everything that it needed to say. Right. Um, <clears throat> but it, it was a, <clears throat> excuse me. It was a, um, it was a gamble for him to do that. Mm -hmm. And he did not, it wasn't all, you know, roses the next day. It was, there was a lot of fun poking and, and a lot of, um, I think even Arsenio like backstage had said something to him about it and uh, people teased him about it. But ultimately it was, I consider it a smashing success. It still is sort of dubious. It still is sort of like, well, I don't know if it's like, if you could say it's a high point, but it's certainly the most notorious costume he ever wore. And that in itself mm -hmm. uh, is something. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it's interesting because looking back at it now, to me, it was one of the things I think that sort of like opens the door. Of course, we see a lot of we've seen a lot of outlandish and out there type of stuff on awards show, but it was such a a splash at the time, and I could see how it influenced other people to be like, oh, okay, if this man can do something like this, like me as a woman, I'm gonna, you know, how, how do you yeah. top that, you know? I think, um, I mean, many people say only Prince could have gotten away with that. And it's true because one thing I think that's uh, really, really important to note is, is his stature and that he was able to wear almost anything. Um, and also his, his attitude and um, the way he wore something, it wasn't just that he could wear it, but it was the way that he wore that thing with confidence mm. and anything else that he put on. He wore it with confidence. No apologies. Um, now, depending on how he really felt inside, he could go and change if he wanted to. But um, I think people thought, oh, wow, oh, my God, that's amazing, because he gave us the impression that it was amazing. Right. Yeah. He he uh, he woe. He woe them. <laughs> he woe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He won't. He he really he really did. He's um, still to this day. Uh, he's a phenomenon, and he's he's um, an anomaly because what other person, what other man, and even person could get away with wearing some of the things that he wore? Very true. I always wondered, what if he came to you and the, the, the secretary or assistant said, uh, actually, um, so he wants his nuts out. Like, that, that'd be a whole okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see your magic thing. How do you figure that out? Like, that that would have been a ooh, only prince. Well, it's, it's so funny because that reminds me of a story when I was in New York oh. and I was on the train. Uh, the you could see anything on the train, but I was sitting across from this guy and um, he just kept looking at me. And I said, what is he looking at? You know, and sometimes you'd be bothered on the train by people and everything. Well, I looked down and I noticed uh -oh. that that was hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was swinging. It was swinging with the, you know how a train like stops and starts really. And, and it was just swinging. And I said, Oh my God! You know, okay. so I would have probably I would have probably gone back and used that as my inspiration. Hilarious! Swing low, <laughs> swing low. Swing. So uh, to bring the <laughs> so to bring the conversation back, uh, I have a quick question. 
Um, so having your own wardrobe apartment seems pretty amazing, especially when you're a smaller size like Prince was, which I totally identify with because I wear double zero myself and it's impossible to find clothes. But I noticed earlier you said um, he had people making garments, but he also had shoppers. Can you say yeah. about the ratio of custom made garments versus the ones that were bought in a store? Well, almost every single thing was custom made, except something like, um, I'm thinking like big chunky sweaters. You know, you've seen Prince in those beautiful sweaters that he likes to wear, or he did mm -hmm. like to wear. Um, I would say sweaters were something that we never made in-house. Um, I think we may have um, signed on a knitter at one point to do some knitting, but ultimately, he might pick something up, even when he's shopping, like, say, in Paris or something, or if he had a shopper, uh, if we had shoppers in New York, um, looking for something unusual in, in a sweater, things that we normally wouldn't make. Um, anything from active wear, you know, if he wanted some type of active wear uh, while he was playing basketball or something like that, we, we wouldn't make that. But almost everything else we made. Uh, and did you guys you mentioned the band members uh, i'd imagine like let's say stuff for like my and stuff were you designing their stuff as well too right yes we made things for the band for for the for every tour that that i was involved with while i was there um heavy duty making things for the band maite we did make things for maite but she also had beautiful things um from her own collection body um belly dancing costumes mm -hmm. that she brought that were just exquisite that she was very comfortable in. And, um, so she had her sources for that. So in terms of anything to do with belly dancing, no, we didn't make any of those. We did make her some more avant-garde things having to do with Prince's theme of Barbarella, um, I don't know that those really were chosen as much as her belly dancing look, but sure. We, we made things for everybody, all the ingenues, um, everybody. I remember us making and buying things for Carmen Electra. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that was fun too. Wow. Wow. Um, and so you also worked on the, uh, the, the symbol stuff. I, I think, uh, did you do, is it the outfit from a uh, seven video I'm thinking was, well, there's a few of them in there. It was the one with like, yeah. uh, it's kind of the, I don't know what you call this. Excuse me. It's, it's like a black top kind of shortcut midriff. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did that. That is kind of wonderful. We worked for, with specific, um, stores and companies to get fabrics in. So from all over the world, we would order different, fabrics. And a lot of times I would say, would you send me some laces? I want some heavy laces. That's, that's what I was really into. And that's what I offered Prince as a look, um, that he went for that would, would be, you could say one of the signature things that I did for him. And that particular top was, um, a beautiful geometric lace. It was dense, a pure lace dense, and it was a grid. And so I said, at that time, we were looking into chain mail for him. I think he had even requested um, something chain mail. And everything, if you know Prince, he did not want anything rubbing too hard on his shoulders or being uncomfortable or anything. He loved luxury and he loved to be cocooned in luxury. So I said, okay, we, we got to forget about the chain mail situation and I want to make something that's based on lace that looks like sort of looks like chain mail so that piece was that um we took diamond shaped studs and we studded um in the center of each diamond um and we cut out every other because I wanted him to expose more skin I guess if that's one thing that I always wanted that maybe didn't happen as much in those days when he was just doing a lot of suits and tailored things. This was my, this was my opportunity to get into him to wear some more body revealing things. So that's what we did. And I said, I'm going to cut out every other square in this. And um, so we can show his body and that's what we did. So it sort of gave a chain mail effect and, and he loved it. So 
it was successful. Um, and also, when you're doing these outfits, does this also include, you know, doing the, the shoes that would go with it in terms of the clothes? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was always a given that every single outfit would get a matching pair of shoes. And um, sometimes, though, if, if it was an outfit with, that had black pants, we'd kind of assess how many, how many pairs of black shoes does he have. Are they Dupioni silk versus um, four-ply silk crepe? What is the what is the fabric? How many pairs of shoes does he have, and what shape are they in? If they're if he's kind of in need of a new pair, then we're going to order a new pair for the black pants. But otherwise, you know, we were as frugal as we could be. Um, but ultimately, if that pair of shoes wasn't there with the outfit, that just was that was his signature, and um, so we always had to order those shoes. All right. Um, do you guys have any other questions about uh, some of the clothing and different things associated with that? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I do. Uh, going back to the Diamonds and Pearls uh, symbol album era, I noticed a clip of a lot of the stuff you wore on Arsenio you mentioned. How did you guys come up with the idea for the police hat with the chain in front of it? That was his idea. And um, he had had a police hat. Um, and I think one day he just came. I, I can't remember if he was on tour. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I remember it was brought to our attention, I think, by, um, by the tour staff. So I think it might have been Leanne Dosher. And, they, and he said, I, wanted, I want chains on here. Now, of course, we had to consider those chains and he wanted a lot of them. So they're heavy. So we decided um, between Heidi and myself, Heidi was the person, of course, the head of wardrobe and she did most of the ordering for any components that any outfit would have. We looked into um, uh, aluminum and we ended up doing aluminum chain for that. So super lightweight. And, um, and that, that became, wow, that became, an iconic look. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What, um, uh, so beyond the, uh, symbol album, how, how long did you work with them after that? <clears throat> it was, um, let's see, I'd say May of 93. And one other album was, was put out after that. And it was the hits and the B sides. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about that album is that they used all of Herb Ritz's, um, Vogue photos. Mm -hmm. Um, he was, Prince was featured in Vogue magazine. Herb Ritz came, Andre Leon Talley came to little old Minneapolis and it was really cool. And he got some absolutely stunning shots. And of course that's Prince, in his, uh, there was a halter. It was it was wool. It was like wool jersey halter with a lot of the um, Chanel chains around his neck. That was priceless. And um, and Prince for that for that shoot ended up wearing all of his costumes, of course, but the Chanel chains and belts and stuff that Leon uh, Andre brought. Excuse me, Andre brought. Um, Prince ended up choosing those. And he wore those. So those were featured on the cover. And also in the liner notes and stuff, I think it was his, um, the black suit, the black jumpsuit with the lace, the Gipure lace sleeves, and, of course, the, the Dupioni um, collar. So that was featured. That was the last album that my um, things were featured on. And, and I guess we would say those, those pictures are, are those pictures also in... Um... The newer greatest hits package thing, the Prince Forever, aren't some of those? You know what? Yeah. I think I think they are. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, those. I, that's I one of my favorites. That yeah, that's one of my favorite looks for him. And like the insatiable and the insatiable video. Yeah. Uh, clean. Uh, what I loved about the period that I worked in, um, his hair too was was extraordinary, and it was a clean look. It was. Um, I don't know. There, there was a fresh look to it. 
His clothes were unencumbered, but beautiful. They were graphic, you know, the graphic laces, uh, either scroll lace or um, um, geometric laces. So I have to say, um, when I look back on that, and you mentioned the Arsenio Hall show again, um, when I look at all of those costumes, that's like a retrospective. And I think that is, to me, perfection. That that first Arsenio Hall show with um, when Patti LaBelle came on and stuff, mm-hmm. they let him have, he had the whole show. And when I look at that whole, um, every segment, he was at the height of, of everything that he could be as a dancer. Um, the dancers behind him were just, spectacular and, and in sync with him. Um, to me, that that's the epitome of when I was with him. Wow. It's interesting you, you bring that up because one of my favorite looks, and to me was, even back then, I was like, he looked like a a superhero in my mind because it was sleek. It was the, the outfit he wore during the performance of Cream. Just a black, you know, uh, skin tight outfit with the uh, thing on his head and everything. I was like, man, he looked like he'll be yeah. in some sci-fi or some Matrix type. This yeah, like, <laughs> I, I thought that was always that was a cool. Good look. He, yeah, he would always say, you know, I want, I want to do rag or I want, uh, you know, um, I want to wear something on my head. He was so good at that, and um, that's one of the things that I always found fascinating about him is he loved to wear things on his head, whether it be the, the do-rag at that, that you're talking about, mm-hmm. or a mask, or a, one, a one-eyed mask, like in, um, in um, the, the love symbol. In seven, he wore a mask, and he requested that. I didn't say, and now you're going to wear a mask. He just said, I want some of the fabric. Can you bring it to me? And he put it on over his eyes. So he recognized the age-old sort of... Um, theatricality of masks of hoods as you know he always wore hoods too um things over his head and so he was he was really great at that um as as a creative and a designer yourself what i'm trying to ask this question what uh what did you learn from prince and was there anything that fascinated you uh to be around another creative like that Oh, everything about him fascinated me. So um, his mystique fascinated me in that um, don't give it all away. You know, don't don't give it all up. You just um, there are some things that um, are to remain a mystery. And so I wouldn't say necessarily that that's a design tip, but it can be, you know, so also the fascinating thing about Prince is that that people might not really know is, is that he was completely involved in, in everything. The, the wonderful thing about it is he would let us do our job. He would leave us alone to let us do our job. He wasn't constantly micromanaging, but when he saw something, he had an opinion about it. And if he, he looked at my sketches, I would put a, I would put a, um, a post-it note on every single sketch I did and he could make notes and he was very involved. He'd say, you know, do this instead of that, or isn't let's change the collar on this or something. So I, I suppose the surprise to me was how involved he really is in the process and yet still being able to, to back off and let us do our job because ultimately once we make the costume, he's either going to wear it or he's not. So either he likes it or he doesn't. So there's, in the end, that's just, it's just up to fate, whether, whether it uh, works for him or not. But other things I learned are that um, I can take a lot. I can take a, a licking and keep on ticking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, clarify that because some of our sick minds out there don't, they're like, what prince licking people? <laughs> are you looking at me? <laughs> um, yeah, he... I think any creative person has the ability to um, be eccentric in their, in their um, interactions. And so 
I think if he was a, a highly, highly intelligent, funny, witty person. And, um, but sometimes of course it, it, it was a direct hit maybe, um, about an outfit or about something that you, you know, were working on or something. So it helped me because in now in my later years in, in Hollywood, I get that, you know, every now and then where you have to deal with a personality, you just have to step up to the plate and deal with the personality because it's not just about, uh, your talent. It's about how to, deal with the person and interact with the person. So that really got me off on a good start on how to, um, how to interact with a very creative, even more than creative, a genius mind. I mean, honestly, I don't run across people like that. People think that they are that here, you know, (laughs) in Hollywood, but with Prince, it was really something that was understated. And it was, I was able to always weather a lot of things because I just thought this, this man is a genius. And actually most of the time he was right. You know, he would point something out to me and I'd be like, uh, yeah, actually you're right. (laughs) So I, you know, I couldn't argue with it. Yeah. Can you, uh, and, and listen, we, we love us and Prince. We celebrate Prince. We appreciate everything, but I always say, you know, he is a man and you hear sometimes people will share, sometimes they don't. I can understand it. But you sort of touched on things. You say it could take a, a licking and keep ticking. Sometimes you will get something back. You might get some pushback or some instruction or whatever it is. And it ain't always it may not be the nicest thing or, you know, just kind of a hey, this is what it needs to be. Can you give us an example like of something if you can, like. Yes, he may come in. Maybe he's he may he might be on one one day, and he's just not feeling what's going on. Like he seemed like he can be a very demanding type of person sometimes, which mm-hmm. you know is, is cool. Is there? Can you share an example or something like that? Or are you willing to do that? Well, just just in general, um, how something would be sketched, let's say, um, and this is a very minor and very um, uh, sort of. One of, one of the easier things to take, but he, he would uh, say, you know, this isn't really, this isn't sketched properly. It should be sketched like this. And then he would sketch it. And I mean, it wouldn't be like, you know, you know, a piece of art or whatever, but he would have the, the structure correct. And, and I thought, wow, this is a guy who um, above and beyond everything else he does is able to point out to me, you know, something that I did that is not quite right. And honestly, I'd rather look for criticism um, than just get accolades all day long. I mean, I'd like to know if if this is what you're really thinking. So, so one example would be of a particular collar that I had sketched a certain way. And he said, I always like it worn this way. And he sketched it that way. But um, like I said, that was sort of innocuous. That was, that wasn't one of the more, more painful things, but I mean, really there, I'm able to just brush things off. Mm-hmm. So I can't, maybe there's two instances where I thought, wow, that was that, that hurt or that, that wasn't called for or whatever. But I think generally he was a very, um, he was a Minnesotan in that, he was very polite. He said, please and thank you. Um, he was a, he was a gentleman when it came to, to that. He was quite quiet many times, but, um, but anyway, I would say most of the time he was very much a, a gentleman when you came to work for him, always saying thank you. Hmm. Is it, was it ever yeah. felt like sometimes, uh, he, he may have been like sort of fighting your designs. I don't know if I'm, you know what I mean? Like, cause again, when you have two he, creative well, people together, sometimes a person can have a very set. No, it's, this is what, this is what my thing is supposed to be. You trying to bring something, you know what I'm saying? Is there any of that type of stuff? Well, I brought no ego to the table because, um, I knew that I was dealing with him. I wasn't like, you know, 
I really see you in this and I'm sorry, but if you're, if you're not wearing this, then forget it. I mean, I couldn't, number one, I couldn't do that. Number two, I'm not the type of person who would do that. I wanted to make sure that he was as comfortable as possible. I sort of saw that as my number one job and everything else after that, uh, you know, was, was, uh, cotton candy. So I, there was no pushback simply because if he didn't want something, it just would not be, you know, um, we would wear something. He would give something a chance and he'd say, well, let's try. Okay. Well, we can try this. But the cool thing about it is, is I would, I would present him with a sketch. So he saw right there, he would see the fabric. He'd see what I had in mind. Um, and he'd say, let's go for it. If he didn't like it, he just simply didn't wear it. All right. What what was his like uh, go to type of outfit, or was there something that you always know he he would always like this style, Re- even mm-hmm. going through all the eras? It was like a thing that just he always liked this. I knew that he would always like um, a suit. Mm-hmm. If I came with, well, sometimes he would say, you know, please sketch me some some shirts or something, but I knew that he would always love at that time a suit of some kind. And, um, so I would, I would include my flourishes, things that I wanted to see him in. So one of my absolute favorite, favorite things I ever did for him and still is to this day is this cut work embroidered, uh, jacket, which, um, has all these scrolls on the front and you can see it's a see-through pattern that you can see his skin through it. So it's silk organza, the base is a uh, silk dupioni and you usually see him now wearing it in yellow. So it was on guitar aficionado magazine. Um, and every time I look at that outfit, I think it's the perfect marriage between his style and my style. I don't know exactly what you're talking about. He's got the yellow guitar strapped on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh God. I saw that. And I just, that's the outfit that makes me want to cry because I look at it and I think, this is this is the ultimate as far as designing for him. It's it's everything I would ever want to put on him, and it's on him. There it is. It's uh, for all, let's say all eternity. You know, forever. Mm. Uh, when uh, when did it come time or why sort of transitioning out of uh, the Prince world? Mm-hmm. Well, I think at that time, Prince was going through uh, major changes. It was right before he had changed his name to the love symbol. There's a lot of turbulence there. And I think after me, um, then there were, it, it kind of, it kind of all came tumbling down basically after that. And I just mean that I don't mean that in super negative way. I just mean that um, major, major changes took place. So just like anybody, I think, um, there are, there's a time and a place for everything. And that was my time. My time was the three years prior to that. And, um, I think it's some of the best work that some of the best, uh, clothing that I've ever seen him in. (laughs) That's not, if I do say so myself, um, (laughs) I just feel like, uh, feel like that is how I remember him, you know? So I think, in answering your question, I just think um, Prince is was just ready for a change, and that's what happened. And was this sort of a change that sort of affected a lot of Paisley Park itself? Because you said, you know, when you were there, it was sort of you know, a lot of people working in that department there, and it was just going, I imagine, 24 hours. Did he sort of scale things back a little bit after that? He did, yeah. Um, I remember at the time it was... Um, Spring of 93, um, we were, the wardrobe department was at the Glam Slam building. So we were up there. Um, I can't remember what floor. It was the sixth floor or something. Anyway, we were up in that department. And um, it always felt different there than when we were at Paisley Park. We were in the middle of everything. Um, my gosh, road cases and, and the band was, you know, I could just go over and, and um, look and see the band rehearsing. Then we could go into different departments and interface with other people that we needed to talk to. I feel like when, when we were moved to 
glam slam. We were pretty isolated, I thought. And it was, it had just a different feeling to it. Mm. But anyway, the point that, that you were saying then, after that, I think the wardrobe cha- uh, went through other numerous changes and then it, it wasn't there at all. They, they moved the wardrobe department. Then pretty soon they closed down the wardrobe department. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like I got the, the creme de la creme of, of what Paisley wardrobe department had to offer and then moving to Glam Slam. I mean, it wasn't terrible because, um, of course, a lot was going on at the Glam Slam too. So, and Prince was there, you know, quite a bit. So I just feel like I, um, was so happy to have been there during that era. Wow. Oh, you know, the other great thing that came out of your era, I just totally forgot. Did you, I'd imagine it's that same kind of design, the outfit that Troy Bear had on. Yeah. The sexy MF with that white. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that because we made that for Prince. I designed it. It was actually one of the, it was, you can recognize the lace. The lace is from the, we had it in black and white and, um, it was the lace from the seven video. Hmm. So that particular one, and we also dyed that purple and we put pearls on it. And it was the only time that I ever literally took an album or a, a song title and did something about it. Um, so we put pearls on that. In fact, I made three different versions of pearl jackets for him. And that was one of them. And he put that on Troy. One of, I think one of Prince's great delights was dressing women. And he loved to dress women in his own clothes. And he could. And they would fit into them. And they would bring something totally different to it. And Troy was such a lovely woman. And um, she, my God, she, she looked stunning in that. And very, very feminine. And I think he just recognized that. I don't ever remember even seeing him in that uh, because he immediately gave it to Troy. Yes, Lord. That's all I <laughs> yes, Lord. All right. Woo. Well, uh, amazing, amazing work. Like, I'm always just fascinated uh, to me because I, I, I love, like, your drawings and the sketches. I think that is just beautiful because you have to sort of conceptualize something, you know, style it. And then the fact that you can bring that into reality and actually make that, it just blows my mind. And we didn't really get to talk uh, about uh, it, but you, you have your studio. Uh, can you just mention a little bit uh, the studio that you have and uh, the Feather Studio? Like that stuff is fascinating. Yes. Like, wow. Oh, thank you. Well, it's my way of actually counteracting the testosterone that I deal with every day mm. and um, uh, deal with uh, beautiful feathers, beautiful feminine things in my studio and, um, make lovely, lovely. Oh, I, I've worked with, um, some major names, um, in making, uh, jewelry, feathered jewelry, um, and, uh, special, special couture pieces for people. And I, I focus on feathers, but I mean, I, I really do everything as a specialty costumer, but in my studio, I love to have, it's very serene. Um, of course my birds, I have Chester, my toucan, and, um, he's always around. And so I, it's a, it's kind of a tranquil sort of my own private little, mm-hmm. little Shangri-La. Uh, it looks very co- cool. I just, just just sit in there and just it's a creation there's a lot of creation going on there i love that that uh thank you i love it too and i love when i have people here working i love being by myself but also i love it when i have people coming in if i have a huge project um unrelated to movies because usually in movies i'm at the studio or i'm in a warehouse that that you know we set up for that particular project but here in the studio it's all of my art i make dolls i make uh you know, feathered, feathered items. And so it's my own, it's my own private art. Wow. Amazing, amazing stuff. All right. Thank um, you. 
Uh, there was something else I was going to ask, and I totally lost that. So we'll just keep it moving. Um, where can <laughs> where can people learn more information about you online? Well, of course, my website is StaciaLangFeatherStudio.com. That's um, I'm I'm all over. Um, I guess Facebook, um, you know, Twitter, all of that. Um, I have I have two. My, my personal Facebook account, and then I have Stacia Lang Design, okay. which is my other um, sort of fan page, uh, for lack of a better word. And um, also IMDB, which is all of my movie work. You can see um, all of my, the movies that I've worked on for, for 20 years. You know, that's on IMDB. And um, where else can you see me? Um, yeah. So, so you, yeah, you out that. there. Yes. Think, yeah. No, I was saying you, you, you're out there on, on social. They can find you and, and yeah, take a look at her work on her, on her studio. Uh, it's such a very thing. Again, you can, you're doing, you know, the feathers and things and creating that way. Of course, the print stuff. And then, you know, these, you know, out of this world, you know, movies, uh, just yeah. working, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Interstellar. I love that movie. Uh, man. Oh, I'll, yeah. I've been doing a lot of spacesuits lately. In fact, right now, a movie that I'm working on, I'm doing spacesuits, and I actually love it because there's a difference between the authentic, like the real, real story, which I'm working on right now, having to be very authentic, versus, um, you know, passengers or Interstellar or these are these are fantasies of what the future. Mm. Um, you know, my old. So, yeah. All right. Well, we, again, thank you so much for sharing and spending some time with us this morning. Like I know time is so valuable. So again, we really appreciate you uh, being with us today. Um, any other last questions from the, from the fellow panelists before we're going to wrap this thing up? Now? I just want to say I appreciate your work so yeah. much, Stacia. Like your your era is my favorite for print stylistically, so this is like oh. a really awesome oh opportunity. Oh, to talk that means to you. so much to me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, for we uh, behemoth men, what does the word couture mean? I've heard it a million times, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> okay, well, couture would mean um, to me. It means um, made for a specific person. Now, there's, I'm sure you've heard of haute couture, haute high couture, which is um, really only designated for the Parisian haute couture. That's that's the ultimate haute, that's the ultimate made-to-order clothing that one could buy in the world. But couture, we just say uh, couture, made-to-order. It's all about. Um, specifically making something for that person. That's why when I see certain labels that say, you know, such and such couture, I'm like, that's not even, that's like counter, you know, intuitive or whatever, because couture is made for the person. It's bespoke. That's what that means. Aha. (laughs) Well, that definitely sheds light. I like that. All right. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you listening and following us online and just sticking with us. Please uh, continue to support Podcast Juice. If you haven't already, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash podcast juice. And uh, you can help support us there. And also, you know what? Just sharing this with your friends on social helps us as well. Uh, As I always say, work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace.